0: Will Brad Stevens ever figure out his lineups? Is the Celtics' current success a mirage? Is Isaiah Thomas as good as the other Isaiah Thomas? The only question left is: Say it with me. You win. Hey, sports fans! Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B Ball Breakdown podcast. Today, I'm pleased to bring on the show Larry Russell. Who is the host of the podcast Celtics Beat and executive producer of CLNS Radio, Larry? Thank you for coming on the show today. We're going to break down some Celtics, I imagine.
1: Thankfully, we're going to be breaking down the Celtics. I hope.
0: Uh, well, it's a little bit rough because they, on, on when we're recording this, they had just lost the opening of a four-game road trip to the lowly Kings without without DeMarcus Cousins. Um, you know, is this, is this something like an anomaly? Or are you worried?
1: You're going to be releasing this tomorrow. Uh, I think you can operate under the assumption that they play Portland tonight, which I know Portland doesn't have the best record, but they, that's just not the best matchup for the Celtics, no matter how well or, or how poorly the Celtics are playing because two good guards, mm-hmm. Toronto you just you can go right after Isaiah Thomas if you have a good backcourt. Portland, no matter of much of their, they have struggled this year, the Blazers aren't a good matchup. So if they, Celtics end up doing winning today, it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> wow. He so I don't know if you got a chance to listen to uh, my show on Sunday. When I my show Sunday, it was on the cusp of their game against the Clippers, which they ended up winning to push their winning streak to seven games. So in, going into that game, they were on a six-game winning streak. But as I said on the show— like, I was gearing up for this coach. I mean, I figure they, they, they had a regression to the means in them. They were not really playing overtly well in that six-game winning streak. And if you look at their point differential, it still isn't that high. They were winning a lot of these games by just two or three possessions. So here you go. You go out west. It's the first West Coast road trip of the year. They shoot under 40%. They turn the ball over 18 times on the road, and uh, they lost. And I just – I want to say I'm worried over the team because I just think – I think I have a pretty rough idea of where the Celtics stand in the NBA this year. I know their weaknesses. I know their strengths. I I know their stature in the landscape of the NBA. In the immediate, I I I think anyone, whether you have an emotional attachment to the Celtics or not, I think anyone can anticipate. The Celtics just have a slight regression of the means in them. I just didn't think they were as good as they were playing during that six-game winning streak. And whether they kind of take a dive like Toronto is taking right now, or I think they're in a little bit more than just a funk. I think they have certainly have have major issues. But I think if and when the Celtics do play like crap here, like every team can play over the course of an 82 game season, so I also don't think that it'll be as bad as they look because I don't know. I just I think they have more games like that in them with against Sacramento. You know, where you should shoot under 40 percent and turn the ball over for 18 times, and you're not good enough defensively this year to. Really mitigate for something like that to happen.
0: Sure. Well, you know, in that game against the Clippers, uh, they they won by five, uh, and they ended up taking 52 3's They made
1: a ton of three. They had home cooking. Yeah. Starting now, and by the way, they didn't make a, they January, didn't make a great yeah. percentage. Starting January fourth against Utah, there was just a stretch. They lost two games against New York and against Portland. As I referenced in Portland, they they were hitting their shots, but they had a they just the, the rim was big. The rim was big for about for the month of January. They they had a good uh, they they were fortunate to play some less than stellar teams at home. They had some scheduling wins, and they just got white hot from beyond the on the three point line. And that's where this whole regression to the means thing is in. And and I actually just think that it could very well happen on this West Coast road trip. And I don't think it's going to be a huge issue if and when it does.
0: Yeah, and I and I feel like that's what sort of Brad Stevens understands is that they you know they are undermanned to some degree they're not as talented as some teams and they're going to mitigate that by like if they turn the ball over a lot you can overcome that by shooting a lot of threes or it's not even like you shoot well from three it seems to me that as long as you make more threes than the other team by X amount of threes that will then give you a lot of leeway toward turnovers and rebounds.
1: That usually work. They haven't, they have been taking pretty good care of the ball this year, although oddly enough on the defensive side of the ball, they haven't been forcing turnovers like they have last year, which has actually been, I mean, not just get off track and talk about the defense because it, it, it is odd. I mean, when, you, when I just think about them defensively, I just say, oh, it's really because Isaiah Thomas, I think that that blueprint now is out with what Toronto has really done and they just exploit it and you see a lot, Al Horford and Kelly Olynyk. they're constantly monitoring Isaiah Thomas' this guy, and you just get the sense or the feeling that they're just giving up a little more shots too close to the rim because of that. You know, Al Horford's a little slower than he has, but but I look, if you look at the numbers, they're almost identical in terms of the shots that are taken around the rim last year by the opponents and the field goal percentage of the opponents in and around the basket. Actually, defensively, it just goes back to turnovers. They are for forcing a few less turnovers, and even rebounds is... Uh, second chance points by the opposition is still in and around of where they were last year. They are worse um, last year, but really defensively, it, it is just that. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, they didn't make shots last night against Sacramento and we'll see what happens tonight against right. Portland, although I wouldn't. That's I don't have a good feeling about that one. Let's see, <laughs> you're releasing this show tomorrow. I, I am legitimately operating under the assumption that, I don't even know what, the, I should just, You can go ahead, Doc. I want to check the point spread for tonight's game against Portland. Yeah, check it out because, well, I don't
0: know if you saw the Dallas Mavericks-Portland Blazers uh, at the end of the game the other night, but we were on top of that, uh, you know, mining or tweeting video, uh, and I did a breakdown on it because there was nine lead changes in the last two minutes, and it literally was like – it looked like a – Drew League summer or summer league game back and forth. Uh, Dirk hitting threes. C.J. McCollum going off, and so uh, that's what you got to be worried about. And The interesting thing about what the Blazers were doing was they went right to C.J. McCollum the whole time, not Damian Lillard,
1: and that got some.
0: Yeah, that that has prompted some in- interesting discussion about maybe who's better now, C.J. or or Lillard.
1: Tonight it'll probably be whoever uh, they can. Get Isaiah Thomas on, whether they go right at Isaiah Thomas's guy, whether they do some small small pick and rolls to get a, advantage of Isaiah Thomas. By the way, did check uh, the point spread, Portland, despite uh, being oh they're actually playing a little bit Uh five and five in the last 10, uh, despite being though 23 and 30 are actually favored at home against the second in the conference, 33 and 19 coming into Thursday Night's game against the Boston Celtics. So, there you go. Yeah. That's tough. Tell- well,
0: that is we- tough. Tell- we you'll see. Portland usually does it. They, they they welcome the East Coast team, and they come out on fire. I mean, it seems to always happen, even going back years. And, and you know, the crowd gets into it. So uh, that's going to be a tough one. But perhaps they've now been woken up having lost the game against the Kings without Boogie. Um, which is, you know, a, a really interesting thing. And I think it also goes to that point we've talked about, we've heard about in the past, like the Ewing theory, right, where when your star goes out or maybe even leaves a team,
1: the team just plays better for some weird reason. Yeah, in the, in the immediate. In the immediate, that you let, that has a tendency to happen. It's just, it, it, whatever it is, it just sort of galvanizes a team. Although to the Celtics' advantage, as I referenced, they ran into the Raptors without DeMar DeRozan. Although it doesn't seem that if DeMar DeRozan plays or not, the Raptors can't seem to win a game as is anyways. And then, of course, they played the uh, Clippers without Chris Paul on Super Bowl Sunday, a game that I don't think anybody watched outside of Die Hart Celtics fans in Boston to see Paul Pierce's return because there was another sporting event later that night that was going to take about six hours of people's time. Uh, I know you watched it eventually on replay. Uh, so, <laughs> I will admit, NBA, uh, yeah. even
0: though I'm completely against the NFL, I think it'll be it'll be extinct in 20 years. I did end up going to a party. We playing flag watching. football. I watched the end. I mean, I kind of had one eye on it while I was schmoozing, but then I did see the end. And uh, you know, it certainly was the most what the probably the most dramatic uh, world, uh, Super Bowl we've ever seen ever. Right? Well,
1: world Series. Super well, they've actually whatever. been saying that about uh, the NFL. I, mean, I I've been tempted to really get off 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 course here and off, off track here, but you know, when I was growing up. It, the Super Bowls used to be, you know, I'm I'm sounding old. That's what happens when you turn 30, uh, Coach. But when I was growing up, uh, the Super Bowls were like Bills, Cowboys, and and 49ers, Chargers, and they were a joke. The Super Bowl was the NFC Championship game. But then for like the last like 15 years, all of a sudden, every single time we ask, it's uh oh, is this the best Super Bowl ever? I mean, the Rams, the Patriots beat the Rams. Is it the best Super Bowl ever? Or loa beats Brett Favre. Is that the best Super Bowl ever? So. Malcolm Butler's interception at the one is at the best Super Bowl ever. Uh, so uh, yeah. I haven't had enough time. I was just, I'm just i just content with the outcome. I didn't have enough time to really dive in if that were not the best Super Bowl ever because I've been thinking too much about the Celtics and thinking about too much about my appearance with you. Right. Make sure. Yeah. Then,
0: that's good. Then you don't have to think about how much, how often the Patriots cheat, right? Oh, anyhow. Um,
1: you not cheating. You're not trying. That's
0: right. So and anyway, I, by the way, I'm speaking I – mean, uh, out of my butt. I have no idea what this, all that stuff. Aside from the, the flake gate, I don't know anything else about, you know, video and whatever they talked about. But ends um, justify
1: them. Love to dig out my Machiavelli book right there uh, in uh, my bookshelf. Okay. But the ends that, justify me. That the is a, a good book to have. Well, you know, the Sixth one thing did I want to Ben hour back. Did it. Cold yeah. showers, fire alarms, the heat, the slick floors, anything, any, anything.
0: That's true. All right. Well, listen, it's a tradition. Um, let's add, let me ask you about this. Like the other. So you know the, the, the Celtics have won. You know they won a bunch of games in a row Until last night, and you know they haven't had Avery Bradley with them for 14 games, and I'm wondering what that means because as far as I'm concerned, Bradley is like completely and utterly vital to any chance they have, and yet of those 14 games, they they you know they won. They only lost one, two, three, four, four of them,
1: five of them. Well, hold on. Uh, I don't know who we can credit this to. Well, just I guess say, credit to Brad Stevens. Now you can say, well, they've only lost four games without Avery Bradley. you, you do major disclaimer, look at the January schedule. It was it was cupcake. They were at home all the time. Uh, they credited the Celtics. they won those games. but they had a very, very generous schedule in January. They did have some issues uh, against the Knicks, against the Blazers. We'll see what happens. Watch the Celtics win by 30 against the Blazers tonight. We're going to just look like complete jackasses. Um, <laughs> but they lost to the Knicks and they lost to the Blazers, and Avery Bradley would have made a huge difference in those games because it was Rose who killed them again. Rose killed them on Christmas Day as well. That has been a trend for the Celtics this year, as guard play against the Celtics. And two good guards against the Celtics has really been more of an issue than other teams say big men you would think. The Celtics would have trouble against teams with really good big men. They have gotten killed in the glass in these games. But it's really been the guard play. If you have a couple of guards that are really just going off against Celtics, that's, that's what's really been hurting them. But uh, with Bradley or any of these injuries that the Celtics have, and going back to what I was just about ready to say before I started rambling on, is Brad Stevens. So Marcus Smart missed some time a few times last year. Jay Crowder, there was a stre- long stretch. Not long. I don't know. It was about two weeks, I think. And then, of course, now Bradley has been out a couple weeks, and it looks like he's going to miss some a, a lot of time, and and they as he should. And you cannot mess with Achilles injuries at all, as I, I even I even as I know. But with Brad Stevens or whatever the Celtics do, uh, they they handle injuries pretty well, and there is sometimes a little bit of an acclimation process. I go back to when they first lost Marcus Smart last year. I remember they went down to Atlanta one night and they just got smashed by thirty points on TNT. And they were able to weather the storm. Jay Crowder, I remember they win an offer for the week. They ended up losing to Toronto, Indiana, and Cleveland, all in pretty uncompetitive games. And Paul George, DeMar DeRozan, and Kevin Durant scored 30-plus against Jay Crowder-less Celtics teams. But then the Celtics ended up kind of weathering the storm without Crowder. And they ended up really reestablishing themselves. They won a game at Golden State April 1st. A lot of people remember that at the end of the 54-game winning streak. And now Bradley, they got off to kind of they were looking a little sketchy there in the middle of January without Avery Bradley, but they've been pretty good at getting acclimated without even Al Horford actually. When they were missing Horford some time, at some times last uh, earlier this year, the one instance where they didn't handle injury too well was Isaiah Thomas, but I don't think he really missed the. I think he missed like five, five or six games though. He actually missed a few games, I think, back in 2015. They handled that pretty well. But the Celtics have always been able to handle injuries pretty well. But going back to your point, you know, with Bradley saying that they've only lost a few games, I actually think there's probably this might be a little bit of a too small of a sample, even though he's missed a couple weeks now, just because of the level of competition that the Celtics have played. I'm interested to see how they'll be able to handle with no Avery Bradley tonight against Portland, with the, with the two very good guards in the backcourt going against the Celtics. Uh, With Jalen Brown starting now, which I haven't even referenced at all. He's done, you know, okay, but, you know, we'll see uh, tonight. And even now, even just going forward as they get closer to the All Star break, because they're not playing the best teams. It's just the whole now the scheduling issue. You're not going to be able to play your best basketball when you're, you know, playing back to back and you're going to a different time zone in Dallas. And then you're coming back here, I think, middle of February. They have something where they play Philadelphia and Chicago on a back to back with just only a day between. a long West Coast road trip. So you have a scheduling issue where you're just not going to be able to to bring your best effort every single night. So we, I would still say uh, that the the book has yet to be written on the Celtics in terms of how they'll look without Avery Bradley.
0: Fair enough. Well, you know, I, I fired up the on-off numbers, curious to see what it's like uh, and his impact on the court uh, has been all year long. And I'm kind of shocked that he is actually- the defensive has a rating, negative, right? A negative net rating, like barely, a negative 0.1. But that's a far cry from guys like Jay Crowder, who are a plus 8.4 when they're out there. Uh, Amir Johnson is plus 6. Marcus Smart is plus 4.9. Al Horford, 4.7. So that is very strange to me. Even Isaiah Thomas is now is crept hey, up.
1: Isaiah is, yeah, I mean, that's Isaiah. It's well, no, Isaiah is plus up 3.4 up. now.
0: He's crept yeah. up. I don't think it was that high earlier. So, you know, I'm kind of curious how what that means because he's their best d- defender by far. And he's a, you know, he's be, proved himself to be a good perimeter shooter and a scorer now. So I, I'm kind of, do you have any, it, it, why why is that happening?
1: I, I was ready to say this is where I needed you because the whole thing with the Celtics lineups this year has actually been something in which, I'm not going to lie, it's just, you just sort of, it leads you to overanalyzing. There's plenty of just goofy lineups. And I don't know if it just goes back to Brad Stevens. He's still experimenting with lineups here on, was it, or was it February 9th? I don't even know what the day. He's still, Yeah, it is. It's February 9th. He's still experimenting with the lineups on February 9th. Last night against the Kings, beginning of the fourth quarter, key point of the game, the Kings were up by three. They ended up pushing it to nine. Then the Celtics ended up cutting it back to six. But key point of the game, I thought, was uh, when the Kings really started to you know, take the lead and they ended up just blowing Boston out at the end of the game. But he plays a lineup that he hasn't played together all year. He plays a five-man year, he hasn't played together all year. And it seems like he's doing that almost every other night. And even... At the end of games, while he won't trot out a brand new five-man unit uh, at the at the end of a game, he's constantly lineup experimenting. So, in terms of just you know who works with what lineup, that's still that is still the one mystery of the 2017 Celtics this campaign.
0: Yeah, and you can see it in, in, when you look at even the last like seven games in the, in the streak, and you're looking at the five-man lineups. Uh, you know, he's not playing. Any of these lineups more than like five minutes at a game?
1: Yeah, and he's he's and he did it last year too. Oh, I'm sorry. The, the, the starters got ten minutes until. He, okay, okay, but he was lineup experimenting until. Well, I want to say after the whole David Lee situation worked its way out, he really he, he settled down. But I'm surprised he's still tinkering and, and still in the laboratory on the um, middle of February here.
0: Yeah, you know, so the, the most, of, of the last seven games, so the six game the streak, and then the last night, you know, Jalen Brown has been playing a lot uh, with Jake Carter, El Horford, Amir Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, right. and that's a negative 1.1, 1. 1, And but again, that's that's not, it's 10 minutes a game when typically, when the, the most played lineup you're going to see in most the NBA is at least, you know, 12, 14 minutes a game, at, at least, and so uh, it's a really kind of, you can tell, that's a good indication there that he's still, you're right, you, you never want to get into like past the All-Star break and still trying to figure out which, who to play with whom. But um, I suppose it's possible that, you know, we just have to have hope. And eventually, once he gets it going and settled, you're going to see, you know, a much more efficient and better Celtics team, I suppose.
1: And, and if, and not to just sort of go a little off topic here, if you ask anyone in and around this city or in and around that, that follows the team, they would say that Brad Stevens has handled Jalen Brown, pretty well and just in terms of how he's bringing him along so I don't know I don't know what if there's anything behind with maybe some front office influence in that I mean it's not about I guess you know every last tenth of a point as in every single game as, as some observers may want to be but I'm just I just threw completely that out something like that out there
0: yeah I mean to give you an example you know the uh the Wizards the top five uh, the lineup that they run up the most gets 20 minutes a game together You know, they played 905 minutes for over 45 games. You know, in the Celtics, the most played lineup that appears when I'm looking at the top lineups is 12 minutes. That's
1: been, I think, one of the primary storylines of the season. And still something that I don't think anybody has an answer for, except for people who have direct connections to the organization or are in the organization.
0: Right. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you know, when you're coaching It's very
1: interesting. And
0: and you measure you and you, you know you ma- you master the Xs and Os and you know how to communicate. Those are all the things that, you know, are learnable, but eventually like there's no real clear-cut method to deciding which guys to play with whom, right? You get to study the numbers and eventually it kind of bears itself out, or maybe you get a gut feeling about it too. But that's got to be the single most uh, difficult decision that these coaches have to make for the most part. Um, and I would like to, I, I would imagine that some of these guys would even say, you know, I would play better if we could kind of get more chemistry going on the same, on the court together. Um, and there's no question that uh, they must be looking at this. I mean, when I did the, the breakdown with Olinic in saying that Olenek should be playing more with Horford, it was bizarre because right after that, they started they doing did. it. And it started working. It really was more. very
1: interesting too, because I also noticed that you made some suggestions to Golden State about running some offensive sets. And then I think, I believe the very next night, they did that right at the beginning of the game. I just. It was very bizarre, wasn't it? Yes,
0: that, that well, that, that is bizarre, I, I suppose, uh, and, and, and excitingly bizarre. Well
1: to, and Ed, well, to be fair, also with Olenek, he was coming back from a shoulder injury, and he was being slowly and slowly worked back in. And then Tyler Zeller also went out with a sickness and was out for like three weeks. Well, that's um,
0: okay. The less Zeller plays, the better, Right.
1: Yeah, although he's actually – well, I don't want to say he's played well. He's played just with a little more intensity than he was doing in November and December. Um, well, that's and what's
0: just, funny because when I watched him in the beginning of the year, he was so bad. Uh, right. And I'm like, what happened to the guy that was so good in college and, and had half. all these skills?
1: And even – t- I don't know. Uh, it's something I don't really lose- – well, I'm sure there are some really ultra-diehard Celtics fans who do lose do lose sleep Lover, but he was – not just very good in college, or you saw a player from North Carolina. He had a great—I don't know if you noticed this—but he, I don't want to call it a great season, but I mean there was talk, I mean, it was good enough to warrant talk of him possibly getting, you know, an extension worth in and around ten million dollars per year based on the season that he had in 2015, when he was, you know, pretty a good offensive player, a good mid-range game, and was not the best rim protector in the NBA, but he was in and around the top. Ten, he was one of the best post defenders in the NBA, which I guess now has even less value than it did two years ago, if that's possible or not. I mean, this, uh, but he's someone who has fallen off the map and, and is really a, he, don't he, sometimes you don't even know if he's on the team anymore.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, another subject that I noticed on ESPN that came up, and I think it's a subject both near and dear What's to that? both of our hearts. Uh, You know, the Isaiah Thomas versus Isaiah Thomas, they spell it differently, so maybe I can pronounce it Isaiah versus Isaiah, I don't know, but um, the original original Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, there you go. That's the easier one. Um, And I remember when I first did the, the, when when Isaiah first popped up on my radar and I did the first like big, you know, viral video we ever had was, you know, Isaiah versus Kyrie after their rookie years. And I actually had to put like Kings guard Isaiah Thomas because nobody knew who I would be talking about otherwise. However, it's changed since then. And how legitimate do you think that argument really is?
1: Well, here's the thing. First off, I know the, the analytics community now has all of a sudden been not just with, with the Isaiah Celtics, Isaiah Thomas is actually there's, there's been a little, they'd say that he's slightly overrated from, from what he was in the 80s. I'm actually, you would think as a quote unquote Celtics guy, I wouldn't like Isaiah Thomas, dirty guy. I'm actually very prejudiced to that Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I'm 30 years old. I grew up on NBA Jam for Super Nintendo in the early 90s, and I used the Pistons. and I took that Isaiah Thomas and just sent him to the corner on every single possession <laughs> to gun up three. I mean, that was he He's was on fire. He was my, he was my man for that game. He was he was the guy. The arcade version I actually used the Celtics, Reggie Lewis, and Kevin McHale. Anyways, wow. Um, so this Isaiah Thomas. This is this is going to be like a tongue twister in its own right. The Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, ESPN's real plus minus has him actually sort of what I think like the 14, 15, something like any between 14 to 17 in the NBA. And Marcus Smart is, I think, right behind him because this Isaiah Thomas is just is the numbers say it is real. I think he's dead. last he, I think he is dead last in the NBA in defensive real plus minus the numbers say. It, and then, of course, even when you watch it, I mean, it, the, the numbers don't lie in this case. He really is that bad defensively, but offensively. He's, for me, and I just did a documentary, which I know you know about it because you narrated it, uh, called the Paul Pierce, the best pure scorer in Celtics history. This season Isaiah Thomas is having, if we can just for like one second, just block out Isaiah Thomas on the defensive side of the floor. This year, the season Isaiah Thomas is having is the best season I've ever offensive season I've ever seen for a Celtic, not just in terms of what he's doing, you know, in terms of the numbers and and, and everything like that. He just has like all the shots and all the shots and in, in the most he's he's the best shooter. Better, he's a better shooter than Ray Allen when he was here. I'm saying that, honest to God. Um, he has all the shots, uh, everything. And there's, you know, I, I said this to uh, Bob Ryan in that it, just Isaiah Thomas off those dribble handoffs without Horford or. Or even if he's trying to to get to just to get to the basket, as of now with how fast he is, if I need a, once again reference Super Nintendo. He is like playing Troy Aikman football, and if you have like one of those really ultra fast running backs that are too fast for everybody else, you just give them a pitch and they just run around. and Once they get the corner, that that's it. Isaiah is like that in that he is just one step faster than seemingly everyone else that's guarding him, so he has no issue. Getting the basket, and with that alone, with his own speed, he's got the hesitation move, the shot that he had against the Atlanta. He has all the shots, he has, and he's efficient enough to make all the shots. Offensively, he's as good of a Celtic as I've ever seen. Uh, in terms of where I, we just put him against nearly Isaiah Thomas from from, from the Pistons. Like I said, I'm, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm a little biased and prejudiced with him, but he's he still. I wouldn't go there yet because I'm just not sure in terms of Isaiah's career. The question with this Isaiah Thomas is how good is he going to be uh, really in the next three to four years? I think this is his absolute peak and with his size, if he loses a little bit of speed and his, his so much of his game is predicated on the fact that he's just so much faster than everybody else, I wonder how, I don't want to say how effective he will be because he's still just such a phenomenal shooter. Uh, but I wonder how that is going to translate uh, for the first game, how that's going to translate for him when he is even twenty nine and still very young to, to sound like you know me or you or whatever, how that still will translate to him at that, you know, at that point of his career or even beyond.
0: Sure. Well, you know, let, let's just talk a little bit about like, let's throw out defense for right now because defense schmeefens yeah, we that's want right. to talk yeah. about. Oh, let's, yeah. let's talk about offense. Hey. And so the reason why this is an interesting conversation is that there's no question that the original Isaiah Thomas gets crapped on they look at like certain very basic metrics and they have no idea without watching how good he was back then what that means and so i certainly growing up in chicago hated you know he's a chicago guard and so am i so i should have this you know a connection to him but
1: and all the we, rules but not to interrupt you but all the rules that were i mean right now guards in the nba it's almost like wide receivers in the nfl just different rules to so be did the hand the, the defense and everything in terms of the actual freedom that defenses had back when Isaiah Thomas was played. they changed the rules back then, well, specifically for Michael Jordan. But Isaiah Thomas played, and the rules for guards back then are just completely different to right. you know, what they what they are now. So I honestly, I, I I don't say you cannot compare, uh, you know, this era and that era in that regards offense. But it's almost like I don't think it's as, as significant now. This I'm going to be bringing up such an extreme example, but. I'm just using it as an example. It's almost like you know, the dead ball era in baseball or pitch you're not pitching from a pitching mound in baseball in terms of what the defenses were able to do back then in terms with these guards. I mean it is far more of an open game for guards in the NBA now than it was 20, 30 years ago.
0: For sure. Now, because there was also, like, there's the no, the fear of driving to the basket was real back then.
1: Yeah. You um, the Hand-checking,
0: I don't think people understand. I should do a video on this where... It's huge. You know, two fingers on a guy's hip, you can control the guy. I mean, yeah, you and could. you can move
1: him around... Yeah. that was the, all, the, all the defensive players back then, that's what they would do. You, you, you could push them in any, any, any direction you wanted to. Right.
0: Now, that said, that's another reason why the spin move was actually very, very uh, uh, useful back then. And we don't really see it as much now because of that. Another good in, video that could be done. But here's the thing about Isaiah. So they, they go look at, like, his three-point percentage. Oh, he was a sh- terrible shooter because he didn't shoot three as well. Well, I got to you, like nobody...
1: 70% with him in NBA Jam.
0: Yeah, right. But, yeah, but here's the thing. <laughs> Like, being in Chicago Stadium and that ball got swung to him and he shot it, there was a collective groan across the entire stadium because... That ball was going in. He was lights out, knockdown shooter. Now it was mostly from probably 2022 because they didn't really shoot threes like that. And whenever he would have shot them, it would have been at the end of the quarter, you know, with no time left, or you know, just tossing it up from deep in the backcourt. So it's a really unfair way to look at like how he shot because I can guarantee you that guy kept coaches up at night with the way he could he could destroy you from the outside. But then he had he had Steph Curry's game going to the basket. He, he was a lot like – Seth Curry is a lot like him. And and I've actually argued this. Had they opened the game up and let him shoot threes like they do now, then he he would have been Curry before Curry.
1: I hate to sound like a simpleton, but he was a two-time champion at a pretty competitive time for the NBA. Yeah. I mean that's a, that's a good <laughs> I, mean, that is, I mean that is a simpleton argument, but I think it does speak for itself and it's own Draw your own conclusions after that. Sure.
0: So if you want to, so you want, you want to compare the new Isaiah to that. I mean, certainly, uh, you know he
1: he's. Well, offensively, even though I'm going to drop you. Although offensively, I am pretty biased to this Isaiah. I think, like I said, I think he right now this single season, not just like I said, the whole statistics and how efficient he is. Offensively, I have not seen a better Celtic. Okay. Offense or in terms of, or at least or at least scoring. Now that goes back to me. Watch my first year following the team was 91, which. Uh, actually the Celtics lost to the Pistons in the playoffs that year. Uh, largely, actually, Isaiah was, that Isaiah was hurt. He had a wrist injury, but he ended up coming back. I think one of the key plays in that series was a pick and roll that Isaiah and Bill Ambeer won. And, and, and no pick and pop and Isaiah and Billy Ambeer hit a shot from the top of the key at the guard. Anyway, but the, by the way, is there, I, I make this joke all the time. Uh, be, be, I say I became a Celtics fan in 91. That's just like you know, isn't that like buying stock in AOL like in 1997 in terms of like what happened after that? But go
0: ahead. Yeah, I, yeah, AOL, uh, maybe more like CompuServe or something, but yes. Blockbuster. <laughs> Blockbuster. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's rough, but hey, you know, who knows when you fall in love? It's, uh, it's a strange bit of chemistry there. Um, so, but the, the point being that, uh, you know, this Isaiah Thomas, you know, if you look at the fourth quarter numbers that people are making a big deal of, um, and we, I should probably do a, a comparison between him and Russ because you know right now he's 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 making he's scoring ten point six points a game in the fourth shooting forty nine percent from the field and forty one from three, and I think what's even more impressive with that is that he's actually kept up his assists uh, from as well. To, you know he doesn't get decision that decision making
1: is great. He doesn't go down his decision making is incredible. That's and, also one second. Go ahead. I'm and very the, good at interrupting
0: as, uh, as people. Hey, uh,
1: listen, all you're my time guest. Time um, oh, well, you're the guest, the host of the show. Right,
0: and so, but that, yeah, you know, but, but the point being that everybody knows it's going to go to him. Their offense doesn't get very clever in the fourth quarter down the stretch. It literally will be handed to him and, like, either set him a screen or just spread and give him room. And that's actually probably what's the most impressive about this is that Night after night after night, he continues to do this even though teams know that he's going to do it. And even though he's so much shorter than everybody else, uh, it, it's still that's, that's what's astounding this year.
1: But that is where actually, and this is what I was, that sort of goes back to what I was even saying at the beginning and what I said on last week's Celtics beat was that's why I think that there could be a regression to the means in them, right? It's just sort of just the fact that they keep winning all these close games. And you brought up a very good point. About their offense being more and more predictable now, and I think one of the reasons as to why, and I, and I, I want to, I made a note to bring this up on Celtics beat this Sunday, is I, I love Al Horford, and I actually still love what he's doing for the team offensively, but he's, he's even becoming a little less versatile than what he was even in November. I can't believe how, it, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I actually have not looked at the statistics on this. You can maybe look at their points per possession, but. It seems like he has almost like no low post or offense out of the low block anymore. Any post offense beginning of the year, they they were able to dump the ball out of there was a game in which Isaiah Thomas did not play against the Orlando Magic and the Celtics killed them and it was all based on really Horford. You know, they get the ball to Horford in the low block, he could yeah, draw a double team. And he could find someone cutting. He could pass the ball to the open guy. He could pass the ball to the guy who passes it to the open guy himself. And they were able to get a ton of offense out of that. I'm interested to see where the Celtics go now. They've lost that dimension because I don't know what it is. All of a sudden, Horford can't do that out of the low block anymore. And I think now this is a little more of a funk. And teams aren't doubling Horford in the low post like they were. And if they're not doubling him, then he's less effective as a passer. So, that actually, as I just said, I think that goes a little back to the regression of the means. There was a game you mentioned, Russ. There was a game Isaiah and Russ were having this huge shootout in the fourth quarter, and it was at the end of December. I know you. I remember because we I talked about this game with you, and Isaiah uh, kicked the ball a few times in the fourth quarter, and that's just going to happen. The ball's just going to bounce sometimes the wrong way, and you keep playing these close games. Right now, the Celtics uh, have been very fortunate in some of these. Cl- and there are, I think, going to be instances where, God forbid, the ball doesn't bounce the wrong way, and then all of a sudden, here come the talking heads, here come the hot takes, is Isaiah Thomas not that clutch, but he's going be, et cetera, et cetera. So I just think the ball may bounce a few bad ways, and just in that you referenced of what Isaiah's been doing in the fourth quarter, because it's something that hasn't been done by the greatest players in the history of the league, and then as much as I love Isaiah Thomas, if they can't do that, I guess sometimes they can't too.
0: Fair enough. Now, a quick look at the post-ups by Al Horford, and he's averaging Thank four you. a game... Um, and it, looking at the last several games, you know he's it, it hasn't shrunk. It looks like he's been getting at least that many. Uh, but he's only average at it in a way that
1: that's yeah. Not okay, as much there it is. And, and, and you now I haven't looked at one number there. It's just something that like has just jumped out. And the, like I said, at the beginning of the year, that was a, a, a good chunk of the Celtics' offense. It seemed like was what they were able to do with Horford. It was I'm going to say they ran the offense through him like Shaq in 2001 or something like that. But that was something that they could utilize and. Yeah, like I said, teams just aren't doubling him anymore because it seems like they really don't have to. And I, every, I don't really, there's not been one game at me that sort of jumped out of my head like, wow, you know, get the ball to Al Horford down low. He's just not being able to. Teams aren't doubling him anymore. If you're not doubling him, like I said, you can't do the Hakeem Olajuwon or Dwight Howard 2009 where he's kicking it, finding a cutter. Like I said, passing it to the guy who passes it, getting a hockey assist. I mean, everything. It's that's something that I don't want to. It's some. It's a slight concern for me because I actually enjoyed. Well, I thought it was good basketball. Of course, it helps the Celtics.
0: Right. Well, you know, you've been talking about Isaiah being the best scorer that you've seen in the Celtics, and that kind of for this year. Um, when?
1: For this year, for like for, if oh, you run oh, up a I, I don't know if time. you maybe you compare, didn't... say, like maybe. Well, for me, it goes back to 1991. If you want to say, I guess, Larry Bird's 1988 season, which is like that incredible, like, weird season where he had like 29.9 points per game, and I think he averaged like almost eight rebounds and seven assists or something like that. Okay. Uh, but, but you're for also a ignoring season, the, this is the best I've seen, even and that's including the height of Pierce's career. Like okay, so,
0: so let's talk about the height of Pierce because you know I, I oh, have yes. the uh, I have the honor of doing the voiceover for your terrific documentary. I had the everyone- honor of just
1: dictating and orders. and hurry up, there, Give me that okay. file. Thank <laughs> for, you.
0: Everybody should should go watch it. It's over on uh, CLNS Radio's YouTube channel. Um, and it's called what give us the title of the video
1: all Pierce the best pure scorer in Boston Celtics history That title was effectively made by Bob Ryan who gave Pierce that title back in 2003 after game one of a 2003 playoff series against the Indiana Pacers He put that in the Boston Globe the next day in which Pierce scored 40 41 points and he went I think 20 for 20 from the free throw line Pierce played great in that series. They had an upset over the Pacers in the playoffs back in the other three. But so that is a it let's say, something that's built off of what Bob Ryan uh, has said about Pierce in terms of being the best pure score that, of course, initiated a huge debate in Boston. Oh, Larry Bird, accepting it, Pierce. But Ryan said, no, it's Pierce. Sure.
0: Well, you know, I I had have, have been in the wilderness in the NBA. It's documentary. Right. For, 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 for a little while. And so I didn't get a chance to see a lot of that early Pierce stuff. And, you know, his body isn't cut. He doesn't look like a great athlete. Um, and I, what I remember from him with the, the Celtics in 2010 and, and, and 20, oh, 2007 after they got the big three together, um, you know, what you forget is that how explosive he was. I mean, there are highlights in your video where you see him go to the basket and dunking on guys, and that is a thing that I think is, is largely forgotten, and maybe because he's kind of strung the career out a little bit too long here, and we've forgotten
1: you know who was also like that as well was Ray Allen. Watch some Ray Allen oh, yeah. highlights from the late '90s. 19- you think of Ray Allen, just this Reggie Miller dude coming off screen. Watch Ray Allen. Anyways, um, so if you think of Pierce and Paul Pierce in 2010. One thing about Pierce, and I make this joke all the time, we always have these images of Pierce, the clutch guy hitting the shots. 20, 20, you know, 2008, 2010, you know, game-winning shots against the Miami Heat in the playoffs. He was far less explo- – of course, he was 30-plus in those years. But at the beginning of his career – he was, very, of course, very explosive, and he could get to the basket seemingly at will. I remember there was an article in Sports Illustrated talking about how just how good he was at getting to the basket. He was number one in the NBA in getting to the free throw line in two th- or number one. He was top three-ish. I know Iverson was up there too, but around oh one oh two, top guy with the top three guys at getting to the free throw line, and he was so good at the end of games because. He not only had his step back, his pull-up, but he was able to get to the basket at will. He had, I, mean, I remember right off the top of my head, he had a game-winner down in Miami, which completely turned the 2002 season around. That Celtics team ended up going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Game against Miami, game against Golden State, got to the basket at will at the end of games. In 2008-ish to 12, he couldn't really do that. I don't want to say he couldn't do it at all. I mean, they were, You're going to be able to find I know, clips of him being able to get to the basket. But at the end of games he struggled in terms of being able to get to the basket. And this is sort of one thing. Doc Rivers, for as good of a coach as he was in terms of after timeouts, and I'm sure the numbers probably show him actually being, he was he didn't call up any plays for the Celtics. At the end of the game, it was just give it to Pierce, and Pierce really couldn't get to the basket like he could. And so what would usually happen, you would think of him hitting that Miami winner against Miami in the 2010 playoffs. But what would usually happen was, Double team comes. Pierce kicks it off his foot. Eddie House with someone retrieves the ball and just tucks up a wild shot. So it actually it, it, at the latter points of his career, you're right. Yes, he uh, now of course for most people past 30s they're a little slower. He couldn't. He was definitely far less explosive than what he was. State of the obvious in his early 20s.
0: Yeah, and so I, I was pleasantly reminded of uh, just you know how dominant he was, and there was en- enough teams in there that were bad enough where it just wasn't getting a lot of exposure from the rest of the re- across the rest of the country. So I think it was a little bit of a, an obs- obscurity that he was toiling in, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I mean, you watch, you can put up his highlights against Bird and McHale, um,
1: JoJo. Not jo- well JoJo White's not a good yeah. example, but yeah, uh, what I'm thinking Applejack. of is um, I think his number one comparison. Bob Ryan told me this basketball reference. Could be wrong. I'm going to blame Bob Ryan if I am wrong, but the his closest comparison, Havlicek.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, I can see that. Is. I mean, different. Havlicek was never yeah. as aggressive, I don't think,
1: on offense. No, 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 no. I mean, Pierce just was. In, in terms of the numbers of his career. When, you know, they have that little. Uh, oh, score, right. The player yes, it's Havlicek. Yeah. yeah.
0: And by the way, Havlicek, I mean, I think people could argue he was as good as Bird. Uh, I mean, I watched those games. Nobody could have played that position that he played better than he did. Like, there were moments where he was just perfect on both sides of the floor, every decision. That doesn't mean he's scoring every time, but just the way he played the game was perfect. Uh, And then I'm also thinking about Tiny. You know, even Tiny, who was a scorer. You're a
1: tiny guy. You
0: know, that. He, Tiny, Tiny
1: like Pierce was on some bad Celtics teams.
0: Yeah. And, and he was a scorer and he certainly is an assist man as well. I mean, he was kind of like the Russell Westbrook of his era to some degree, I'd imagine, in terms of stats. And um, and so, but, you know, there are a lot of really good scorers, you know, in the Celtics
1: history. So, you know, I guess without question, Pierce has to be Ever had a guy who's led the league in scoring. That's the ultimate trivia question. Oh, wow. which Celtics player led the league in scoring in a single season. The answer is no one. Isn't that wow. incredible? That is amazing. Although I have to imagine there's
0: got to be a bunch of teams that have that distinction as well, right? Yeah, but it's the Boston Celtics. It okay. isn't the freaking Charlotte <laughs> or whatever. Fair enough. Um, well, you know, this was great, Larry. I'm glad you could come on it. That was unbelievable. Thank and, you so and, much. And break some, you know, that this is some real Celtic stuff that we were talking about from, you know, real, the real dirt here. So uh, I'm glad you can come on and share it with us. And, um, you know, let us know how do we keep track of you and, and all your stuff so we can keep following
1: you. Google me. I guess, right? I, that's the one thing, I say this all the time, is of, of as much fault as society has, we seem to be very good at finding things on the internet. I am on the internet, I guess, I don't know, Twitter, at CLNS underscore LHR, but, but most people, of course, know, uh, if they do know me, it is, of course, the show Celtics Beat. Uh, yes the big every Sunday every. when you want your,
0: your taste of Celtics get on to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever and check out Celtics and with Beat. you
1: on the CNS mobile app right it's about the name on the front of the jersey not the name on the back that's right we're all, part of, right we're now, all so
0: part of the CNS family right now so glad to be part of it and uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and don't forget sports fans at beball Breakdown we're not a channel we're a conversation you win yes. you win Larry
1: I, I just said I answered before you even answered back at me that was a yes we we I don't know. I know French and French and English. Yes! Awesome.